Good morning. Thanks, Alex, for the introduction. I don't normally get that, so that's like <laughs> special. <laughs> um, hey, Cindy and I had a great week in Colorado with a lot of the SC students who are here, and I, I'm really glad you guys made it. It was an extreme faith adventure, the bus ride back for them. Uh, they, they broke down, then they got going again in a new bus, and then that uh, was after several hours. And then I understand they slid off the road in the snow, which, which will turn your heart toward God <laughs> in an instant. And so I, I know I, I was with Neil, you know, some of the time and just hearing the feedback from the students, I commend your faith, I commend your endurance, and I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you getting up this morning and showing up. That's great. Um, yesterday, we, 23 of us, uh, served City of Diamond Bar, we did a mission project. We paint, painted some rails at uh, Sycamore Canyon Park and put up some benches. What, some of our work, you can see, it's, it's right out. If you were to walk straight out this patio, stay along that line of the cliff on the uh, uh, parking lot, there's a new bench that's facing that way. And you can look over the valley. You can sit on the bench. I think some of us are going to go enjoy our work today. <laughs> but it was great for us to serve the city of Diamond Bar. What was happening is we were getting a little dominion. You know, we looked at the beginning of this series, we looked at Genesis 127, 28, how God, you know, made the man and the woman. He made them in his image, and he gave them the command to, uh, rule over the fish sea over the earth they to to fill the earth and subdue it that word subdue means get dominion bring it under control the picture is not an untamed wilderness where you're a little concerned about stepping into it but it's more like a park or a garden with paths that you can really enjoy we participated in that yesterday and we served the city which is right we're being good good inhabitants and citizens of the city. So uh, thanks for your help, everybody who pitched in. Uh, we, we had a little part in fulfilling the great, great mandate yesterday. Um, this series, we've been looking at how to live in the zone of God's blessing. And what we've been talking about is pleasing God is at the heart of the zone, at the very heart. Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. The first week, we looked at how faith or trust in God that leads to obedience, that's how you step into the zone, and that's how you stay at the heart of the zone. The way you, the way you step into the zone of blessing is you, you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you set your heart to follow him. And then that, that happens to be the way that you continue in the zone. You get to the heart of it that way. So we're always having uh, choices to trust God enough to obey him with the situations that we handle. As life comes by, we keep needing to choose to trust him. And we also talked about how baptism is an outward thing that God has asked us to do, the Lord Jesus commanded us to do as one of the first steps of obedience. When you commit your life, that shows that you've made that decision in your heart. The next week, last week, we looked at faithfulness and how faithfulness gets you to the heart of the zone. Um, faithfulness with different stewardships. God's, you know, all of life 
is a stewardship that God's given us. And we put a focus on finances, how we handle our finances. It's a, it's a test that God gives us, and he's checking our heart in these things. And I offered the opportunity to participate in a tithe challenge for the next three months from March 14th to June 14th, um, just to begin to tithe and see what God does. If, if you are participating in that, could you let us know on the back of that connection card as well uh, today? And then let us know the stories. If, if you just started to give, what I've seen over the 22-plus years that I've been pastoring is as people step out to follow God in this area, it's a dynamic thing, and he responds by bringing blessings. So I'd like to know the stories as you set out to follow God in your giving. But that's what we looked at last week. This week, we're going to look at how to, how to, what, what's the boundary of the zone in terms of relationships? How, how do you stay in the zone in the way that you relate to the, pe- the people around you and find God's blessing in those? We're going to visit Bob again. Last week, we had a little video clip. Bob was handling his budget. And this week, we're going to watch Bob and his family discuss some things. Let's, let's watch the video. This is Bob. Bob has a certain set of rules that he runs his household by. Bob's number one rule that beats out all the others is peace. But how can you force peace? Obviously, something isn't going the right way. Everybody's yelling. I don't even know what you're yelling about. Why don't we just sit down and talk about this? It's going to go a lot faster. So let's just talk a little bit. I've been doing a little reading, and what I've learned is that people get angry because our goals are blocked. So apparently we all have a little goal in this room right now, and we should talk about it. And I want to do this peacefully. I mean that. Do we really have to do this? I have to be at Christine's in like 15 minutes. Yeah, you do. If you want to voice your opinions, you do. If you want to eat dinner here tonight, yeah, you do. If you want to live under this roof, yeah, you do. Uh, okay, right. Bob, I think we understand. Sure. Okay. Well, can I at least go first? Sure. Yeah, anything to keep with your agenda, sweetie. Go ahead. Well, I want one hour of undisturbed bathroom time in the morning. But I have to get ready. Uh, Blake, not your turn, buddy. Okay, Brittany's going to finish, and then you'll have a chance. And I want the car tonight. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, Beth, what about you? Mine's easy. All I want is for Brittany to watch Finn twice a week so that I can go do Pilates. And Blake to take out the trash every Thursday. Once a week? Oh, see how nice this is? We're all talking, communicating, and we're doing it peacefully. Like, what did you say you wanted? Nothing. I just wanted to know it was for dinner, and everyone was yelling, so I was too. <laughs> okay, well, what did you want, son? Macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese? Yeah, macaroni and cheese, see? All right, we've all talked. We've all communicated. Everybody knows what the other person wants. This is great. And we've done it peacefully. I love it. Well, honey, what is it you wanted? Oh, not important. Yes, it is. You gave us time to talk. What is it you wanted? Okay, well, I did have something I was going to say. The car broke down. Ah. It's not running since this morning, so we don't have that. Uh, The shower, you might have heard something this morning. That was the shower pipe busting. 
it does not work at all. What? And I was so angry about that that I kicked your Pilates ball into the corner of the stairs and it exploded. And everybody knows that when I get upset that I prefer chicken to macaroni and cheese. And I would just like to have a little piece tonight. My Pilates ball? Yeah, your Pilates ball. What are you talking about? That, that is a clear picture of life outside of the zone, right there. Life outside of the zone of blessing. There is pain and conflict outside the zone. Conflict is a normal part of our life since fall. Life's not the way God intended it because we rebelled against him, so life has fallen a little bit. We struggle with these kinds of things. James 4.1 shows us the, the source of conflict. What, what causes fights? And quarrels among you, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? We're born with some heart problems, and we mention these every once in a while because it really helps to remember this, that our hearts are wired this way. One of those is determined selfishness, Proverbs 22.15. Proverbs 22.15 talks about that. Arrogance is another problem. Ecclesiastes 9.3 talks about how uh, men and women deal with arrogance and harm, this willingness to hurt people to get what we want. We want what we want, we deserve it, and we're willing to hurt people to get it. You see Bob trying to let go of his desire for a chicken dinner, but he can't quite do it, and it ignites the whole thing again. He deserves that chicken dinner. Come on. He carries a lot of responsibility, and he decides to trump the mac and cheese for the chicken dinner, and that causes some hurt, some disappointment. These three problems wreak havoc in our lives, and these are where the desires come from that cause the quarrels among us. They, they, they come from these things that battle and compete and push themselves to the front. So these things wreak havoc and, and bring a lot of pain and conflict into our lives. To live in the zone, we have to deal with these desires and pursue peace. Peace is a major feature of this zone of blessing. The word in the Old Testament for peace is shalom. Uh, it's used as a greeting today in Israel. Shalom. May it be well with you. And the word in the Hebrew carries the idea of peace, completeness, and health. It, it includes not only the absence of conflict, but also the presence of well-being. So you don't just get down to net zero, but you, you get on the plus side. If you're, if you're really, if things are good with you, if you're at peace, then there's the absence of conflict. But man, life is really good. And that's what God wants for us. That's a major feature of the zone. Life is good. Things are going right and well. Um, Many times that means wading through the conflict, wading into it and working through it rather than trying to work around it or ignore it and hope it goes away because it, it rarely goes away. It's, it's, it's something that we have to work through. We, we wade through the conflict to arrive at peace. We have to pursue it. We have to work through it. Um, there is a price, though, that we don't pay for peace. There, there are some things that are too high to make. For instance, it's okay to anger someone who's trying to control you 
wrongly. They're, they're trying to manipulate you or control you. It's okay to, to, to not allow that to happen. And sometimes that creates conflict. And then you may need to work through that as well. That's all right. We don't violate our own conscience to have peace. And the price of peace can't be rebellion against God. So what you find in the zone, it's not peace at any cost, but it's, it's peace and working through conflict and, and trouble in relationships so that things are right and good. So you can get not only the absence of conflict. Sometimes we, we just avoid conflict. We avoid wading in because we, we just don't want to go through that. But many times it, 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 to, to really have, get on the plus side of a relationship, you have to tunnel in and you have to work it through. So peace is a major feature of the zone. And it's, it's something that we, we should focus on in, in our relationships. And so since, since our ultimate loyalty belongs to God, we, we want to handle our situations that really in a way that honors him and peace is at the heart of that. In fact, God paid a high price to make peace with us. Colossians 1.20 says, Through him, through Jesus, God reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Even Scripture paints this picture. Even when we were hostile toward God and running, sprinting the other way, running away from him, Jesus died for us on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him, so that, that we could be reconciled to God and have a way to be at peace with him. That's a high price that, that God paid. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9-6, this is a passage that's looking forward to Jesus' birth and the Messiah's birth. And he's described here as, at, at the very last, as the Prince of Peace. When he comes into your life, when you accept Jesus Christ, he, he brings peace. When you accept what Jesus has done and decide to follow him, boy, things on the inside, there's peace. And then he's going to lead you to work there. If you continue to follow him, he's going to lead you. He's going to be the prince who's leading you to work through stuff and arrive at peace, to arrive at shalom. That's what he's going to do. And then peace is characteristic of God's kingdom. Here's a passage, Romans 14, 17. And it describes the kingdom of God, which is really where the zone of blessing is, this, this kingdom of God. You get into the kingdom by following the king, by committing your life to follow Christ as Lord and boss as king. And when you get into that, this is what it's like. It's, it's um, full of righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the blessing zone right there. That's, that's the good stuff. That's what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. That's a glimpse into the zone that we're given in Romans 14. What you find also is that peacemakers live at the heart of the zone. It's, it's a peacemaker who lives there. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is that as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, where there's unity, where there's peace. That's where the blessing of God is. 
God, God blesses peacemakers. Jesus talked about this. In Matthew 5 through 7, he, he delivers a sermon on the mount, and he's describing what the citizens of his kingdom are going to be like. He gives a great description of what it's like in, in his kingdom. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. When, when you set your heart to make peace, you resemble the Father who made you and the one who paid the high price to buy you back and to bring you back into a relationship with him. And then Romans 14, 18, we looked at 17 and how uh, the kingdom's made up of righteousness, peace, and joy. It, it makes a statement because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Pleasing God, remembers at the heart of the zone. And those who set out for peace, those who make peace, are at the heart. Um, in Romans 14, Paul, right before this passage, Paul is describing some conflict that's going on in the church. There's, there's an argument that's going on as to whether uh, certain kinds of food should be eaten. I think it's food offered to idols, whether you should eat that or not. Some, some of the crew thought they should. And some, they were okay with it. You know, God made the meat. It's okay to eat it. Some of the people thought, no, we shouldn't do that. And so there's this argument going on. And Paul says, what you need to do is lay down your preferences for peace. Peace has a higher priority than your preferences. And so if you're going to cause conflict unnecessarily by holding on to your preferences, getting your way in the matter, then just let it go. And it's not that you could buy your meat at, you know, Albertsons. Or so, well, okay, there wasn't, wasn't Albertsons then. But, you know, buy your meat at another market. You don't have to go to the one that sells the stuff that was offered to idols. You don't, you don't have to do that. So, you know, let go of the chicken dinner and be happy with the mac and cheese. It's just a preference. It's not a big deal. God blesses peacemakers, and that's, what it, that's what's required to bring peace. The, the, the things of substance that we shouldn't let go, we don't let go of those things. If we need to work through it, we work through it. But our preferences, we just let it go to bring peace. Peacemaking, it turns out, is the key to enjoying life. First Peter 3, 10 through 11. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. I read this passage about 30 years ago, and I thought, boy, that is right. My tongue gets me in trouble. I just, I just hurt people because I want my way. And if, if I just seek peace, then life's going to be good. And that's, if you want to have a good life, you have to have a series of good days. And this is, this is how you have a good day. You, you keep, you watch your tongue, you turn away from evil, and you set your heart to do good, and then you seek peace and pursue it. We need help with that. You and I, we, that's not native to our instincts. That's not, that's not where we, that's not where we go. Here, here's some, I want to, uh, look at how to make peace. But before I do that, I'd like you to listen to a little clip from another Black Eyed Peace song. And I apologize. You're going to think that's my favorite group or something. Because a few weeks back, I, I played a, 
a clip from a Black Eyed Peas song. But I, I heard this one at Knott's Berry Farm about 10 years ago. It's an older one. But it's, it's the kind of thing that we tend to hear. And there's one line in here that I want you to catch, and I'll point it out after we listen to it. But this is the kind of thing that we tend to hear on the radio and out and about, and it sort of draws our heart that way. Let's, let's listen to what they, they say. Madness, what you demonstrate, and that's exactly how anger works and operates. Then you gotta have love, it's a set of straight. Take control of your mind and meditate. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all. People y'all. killing, We're going to actually do that. We're going to get some guidance from above. <laughs> but the one line in there, let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all. My, my soul doesn't gravitate to the love. <laughs> my soul just gravitates somewhere else. Actually, gravity pulls you down. It does not lift you up. And that's what happens when I let my heart go, is it, it pulls me down. It doesn't lift me up. So we're going to get some guidance from God on how to make peace. First of all, you have to work toward it. Since the fall, good relationships are work. Our our soul doesn't naturally gravitate to love. There's a pull like gravity toward conflict. And, And we have to work at peace. Romans 14, 19. So then we pursue the things, the words and acts, which make for peace and the building up of one another. To make peace our focus, it has to be on others, building them up. We have to take it off ourselves and put it on others and really set out uh, to, to, to build them up. We, I, I need help with that. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. If a goal is blocked... What happens is it, it creates conflict, and the anger starts to, to well up inside. We, we want something, and we don't get it. The goal is blocked. At that moment, we have a choice. The anger isn't necessarily wrong. There's passage in Ephesians 4 that says, Be angry, but do not sin. So you can be angry and not sin. The anger sort of builds up inside, and it gives you energy to do something. And you decide whether that energy is going to be channeled to destructive actions and words or to constructive actions and words. And our, our focus needs to be on building each other up. So when you get angry, when you feel it, what, what, what we need to learn to do is evaluate what's going on. You have a goal. Normal anger that we deal with every day is, is a blocked goal, generally. So you have a goal that's blocked. You need to identify the goal. Okay, what is it that I'm not getting, that I want? What's going on here? And then evaluate it. If the anger is based on a preference or a privilege that you can let go of, just let go of it. But if it's a legitimate goal, something that really needs to happen, then turn to God and ask him for help with it. Ask him for wisdom. Okay, God, this this really should... This is right. What I want here, it's right. So would you help me bring it about? And there may be another route to the goal. There may be another tactic. But I guarantee you, 
James 4 says the anger of man doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. It doesn't flow out of the anger of man. What we want to do is run over the people to get our goal. Don't do that. Turn to God and trust him. James 4, 2 through 3 says you want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes we ask, but we ask so God will help us run over the people that are in our way. We ask with the wrong motives. We ask because we want what we want. We don't want what God wants. So focus as the anger starts welling up, the conflict begins to happen. Look at the situation. What does God want to happen here? And what is right before him? If, if, the, if you're angry about a preference or an opinion, just let it go. But if it's a core thing, trust God with it. God, help me figure out how to get to the right goal and deal with this. Uh, we, we need God's help in, in this situation. And so much of the time, it, I've, I've had you know, things blow up on me, and then I, I evaluate in, in hindsight. And as I've done that and asked, you know, try to live out the Scripture here, and then I blow it, and I don't. And then I begin to evaluate and learn. Over time, you, you can grow in this, and you, you can watch God change you. Um, as you as you trust him in the midst of the conflict. So that's the first thing, work toward peace. Secondly, watch your words. I need to watch my words to find peace. Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer, when, when the heat starts blowing up on you, when things the conflict starts building, a gentle answer calms things down and allows you to focus on the solution, not make more problems. It allows you to focus on the solution. Um, as I said, the anger of man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. It doesn't accomplish it. Think about the damage done when you blow up, when you just, just scorch people with your words. It is so counterproductive. And then you have to pick up the pieces and you have to go back and work through all the, all the heartache, all the pain that you cause with your scorching. Think that through. Ask God for help to do it differently. How can, how can I change this, God? How can I, how can I do it? The wreckage isn't worth it. And so watch, watch my words. I need to monitor my heart as well. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride only breeds quarrels. And boy, that's the truth. Humility is a choice that helps us tunnel through the conflict. And as we choose humility, in other words, to treat others as if they're better than ourselves. They're not. We're all the same before God. That's what you find in Scripture. But we, if we choose humility, we're, we're putting ourselves underneath them and treating them as superiors. And, and that means we relate to them in a certain way. Go ahead and take the worst seat at the booth in the restaurant. You know, sometimes... Booths are angled, and you think, oh, man, if I get in the mill, I'm going to be back in the black hole. I can't go wherever I want. Go ahead and take the worst seat. That's what it means. You know, pride, if you sort of, you know, somebody sits down and they, they, you know, take the best seat or sort of arrange it so they end up in the best seat, sort of, it sort of sticks to you. That's what it, pride breeds quarrels. Go ahead and take the back seat in the car. Don't fight over the front seat. Just go ahead and take the back seat. 
This is the example Jesus set for us. This is what it means to follow him. Here, here he is, the God of the universe. He's, he's, he's come into the world that he made, and he's continually laying down his rights and his privileges for the people around him. He, he, in situation after situation, he laid those aside, and he served. In fact, his, his disciples were in an argument one time about who was going to be number one and number two, or number two and number three, as right hand and as left in the kingdom. He said, guys, man, we don't do that. The one who's the, the highest in the kingdom is the one who serves and lays down his life. So we monitor our heart and we watch the pride. And another thing we need to monitor in our heart is payback. Because what happens when we get angry, when the conflict starts, we're going to make them pay. Either with our words or with a cold shoulder or with, with some kind of retaliation, we're going to make them pay. Uh, Paul says in Romans 12, 14 and a few verses after that, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This is what Jesus said. These are in quotes because these are Jesus' words. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our normal strategy is to make people pay. We, we cut them out of our life. We don't include them in our plans. We make some cutting remarks. We, we decide that we're going to make them pay somehow. We give them the cold shoulder. We're going to let them know that we don't appreciate them hurting us. And we don't want them to continue to do that, so we're going to sort of make sure it doesn't happen. Jesus says, leave the payback to God. Let him do that, trust him with it, and pursue peace by adopting a new strategy. The strategy is meeting the needs of even our enemies and trusting God with the payback. And, and you know, in, in relationships... We may need to wade through the conflict, and that could be meeting needs. There may need to be truth spoken. It doesn't mean that we just let everything go, but we do what's best for the other person. And if that means walking through the conflict and wading in, then we do that. We let it go. Um, and, And so that's a part of monitoring our heart is, boy, we have a reflex to payback, and we stop ourselves. Fourth. Way to make peace is keep relationships clear. Jesus said, if, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Um, part of making the effort toward peace is to clear things up when they're messed up. If, if a family doesn't, take care of offenses and deal with them and get forgiveness and give forgiveness, then it's like packing dynamite under the carpet in the house. Things are going to blow at some point. You just, you know, hurts happen, disappointment goes on, 
and it's not talked through, it's not dealt with, it's like packing dynamite and boom. Same thing at, at work and same thing in church life. That's why in our covenant, our church covenant, when you become a member, it, it, you commit to working through problems and relationships because we are people. We hurt each other. We disappoint one another. We offend. And rather than just play a game and pretend like it's not going on, we need to walk through it and talk it through and, and, and work it out. And in the scripture, the first one to notice the problem is, is the one who takes the initiative. You go to the person, you talk it out, and you take responsibility for your part and work through their part with grace. That's, that's the picture you get in scripture. And you make restitution, Jesus says, if you need to. And five, we need to cultivate a forgiving heart. You're going to need to forgive. Um, and it, it, this forgiveness needs to be cultivated. He, he, Ephesians 4:32 says, "Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you." If if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no reason that you shouldn't be able to arrive at forgiveness. I understand it's a struggle. There are some deep hurts that many of us have had, and we have to work through some things, and it's going to take some time. But part of following Christ means <clears throat> that you're willing to struggle. You're not going to just hold on to the grudge or hold on to the bitterness, but you're going to struggle through it and before God <clears throat> learn to apply his grace. To the situation. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I did learn this week that <coughs> actually I confirmed that. <coughs> I'll just talk like this. Me, uh, <coughs> could someone bring, bring some more water? I don't mix well with altitude. <clears throat> yeah, so I kind of got all congested this week. All right. We're going to keep going. Let's see. Oh. <clears throat> Jesus said in Matthew 6, If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If, you, if you've accepted God's forgiveness in Christ, there is no <clears throat> right reason why you shouldn't forgive someone else. That's what God is willing to do if they turn to him and ask for it. Now, again, some things take time, but pursuing peace is part of our calling if you follow the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. You and I must do everything we can 
to arrive at peace. We, we can't always arrive at peace between us and someone else. They may not accept the, the responsibility or give forgiveness or whatever, but we can do our part. We can do what depends on us. To refuse peace is to step out of the zone of blessing. To live in the zone means that we get out of our comfort zone and we pursue peace. And we find God's blessing in that. We need God's help for this. God promises a new heart to those who will turn to him. In Ezekiel 36:26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God will do that as you turn to him and ask for his help. As you turn from going your own way and decide to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, he will bless and bring the help you need. There's some next steps on the connection card in your listening guide and then again on the connection card that you may want to take as a result of hearing the word this morning. One of them could be to memorize Romans 14, 19, just to remind you, remind yourself and let God speak to you about pursuing peace. We have to pursue the things that lead to peace. Another step would be, I will aim today to respond, not react with my words. Today, today, when you go to lunch, when you live the rest of your day, I'm going to decide, I'm going to ask God to help me not to react, but to respond in love in a way that he would want me to. That's what I want, that's what I want to do today. And then maybe there's a relationship that needs to be cleared up. I will clear that up today. That could be another step. And then finally, I'm asking God to change my heart of stone. If you haven't yet committed your life to follow Christ, uh, on the back of that connection card, there's a place toward the right where you can say, for the first time, I, I want to know how to begin a relationship with Christ. And he will give you a heart of flesh. He will melt your heart. And he will forgive you for the offenses against him and, and make things right between yourself and him and help you walk toward peace in your relationships. And life gets good when you do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word and how you have not given up on us. We're so grateful that you love us. Even when we were hostile toward you, you've loved us and you've made peace with us. I thank you, God, for the help that you've given, for the, the price that you paid for our freedom, for our peace. And I ask you, God, as you've laid things on our heart this morning out of your word, that you'd give us the power to follow through and take the steps that you've, you've laid on our hearts to take. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.